Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I am Dr. Alicia Buetes. And I'm Jacob Sheckman. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to researchers from around the world and talk to them about how their work is improving our daily lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation and that you learn something new. Hello everyone, today we are talking to Tsepo Mongele. He is a chemical engineer from South Africa, but he has also created an amazing company called Ligno Organic. He was a previous owner of Eco Invader Solutions, which is a biotechnological company in Johannesburg. This company focused on helping to deal with plastic pollution by inventing bioplastics developed from sawdust and using nanotechnology. Sepo has then continued to create this Ligna Organic Company. His company was established in 2017 and is Africa's first sulfur-free lignin producer. The company focuses on more sustainable resources and is focused around the development of environmentally friendly solutions for a wide variety of markets, such as cosmetics and skincare, packaging, rubber manufacturing, agriculture and animal nutrition, as well as biomaterials. Mongele was shortlisted for 2021 Africa Prize for Engineering Innovation for his bioplastics. He's adamant to grow his company so that it can make a difference in the world and make sustainable and environmentally conscious products the new normal. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Please let us know what you thought about this episode. Uh, you can send any comments or questions to polymerscienspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to like and subscribe, and then we'll see you in the next one. Welcome, Sepo Mongwele. I'm so glad to have you on the Polymer Science Podcast. Thank you for giving me your time and talking to me about your company. Um, so firstly, there are a few things I need to mention first, that you are the founder and CEO at Ligno Organic, um, which is a company founded in 2017, yeah. correct? Yes, yes. So it's really fascinating. You are working with Lignin. You're the only Lignin producer in Africa that is sulfur-free. And um, yeah, your company focuses on a lot of um, sustainable resources, and it focuses on developing environmental-friendly solutions for many products like cosmetics, skincare, packaging, rubber manufacturing, and biomaterials of all sorts, uh, especially in the agricultural and animal nutritional um, application as well. So I've got a lot of questions for you about that. Mm -hmm. um, firstly, some are technical, more polymer orientated, and some are just about your life and how on earth you are managing all of this. <laughs> so just to, just to jump right in, can we first just talk about your company itself? Um, what was it like to start your own business and how long did it take for the vision to become a reality? Um, no, thank you very much, uh, Elisa, for having me. Um, it, honestly speaking, uh, most people don't tell you about uh, business when you, before you start that. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's always like you see the glitz and the glam of, of business, but you don't really get to understand how, how difficult it is. So I, I got to realize that when I was starting, but it was really rewarding. I mean, just to give a brief background on how it all began, I was actually sort of doing my third year in chemical engineering at VITS. And I was at a point where I was sort of trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. I really was at like a point where I was trying to decide whether do I pursue uh, the arts or do I continue with this chemical engineering. And I remember one morning at 3 a.m. I was just writing a poem about this thing, trying to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. um, and from that, I just realized that 
through the arts, I wouldn't be able to have the impact I would like to have on the world. So I think then at that point, I decided to completely stop doing the arts. I was doing mostly poetry at the time and just solely focus on the chemical engineering, but also focus on chemical engineering in practice. So that's when I started um, that's when I started the company. But in the beginning, the, the point was to try and use alien plants um, and sort of beneficiate them to other different products. Because we had, uh, I had an interaction with Jersey City Parks and Zoo, so they control like the parks and the zoos in Joburg. Um, and they were having a big problem with these alien plants. And I then sort of tried to think around ways to use these alien plants. And that's how the company started. The name of the company was actually Eco Invader Solutions. Um, because we wanted to use like invader plants to create eco-friendly solutions okay. um, and that's how it started I mean um, in, in 2017. Wow that's awesome. So your company at Lignin Organic focuses on four types of products lignin, hemocellulose, soap and bioplastics. Um, how did you progress into those fields and can you explain to the, to the listeners and to me a little bit more about the products itself so what is it and um you know how was it produced and why why are you making these products specifically uh yes uh, so in, in the beginning like i said i wanted to use alien plants to create different products so the progression of these products started with me trying to make fiber packaging um, so in the beginning what i would do is try and extract just the cellulose from these alien plants um, so i was mainly using lantana camara and just literally in the kitchen trying to cook these fibers to create these sort of fiber-based packaging. Um, so that's how it sort of started in the beginning. But I realized that um, firstly, after spending months working on it, we don't have equipment for like thermoforming these sort of uh, uh, takeaway packages or plates. So that really frustrated me. So then I started looking at the black liquor that came out from that. Um, so from there, then that black liquor that I was getting, uh, I was like, you know what, maybe let me focus on lignin because I had seen so many applications of lignin and I knew a little bit about it. Um, so in 2018, 2019, I then started doing home experiments around lignin extraction. Um, and essentially there is just all about using the black liquor, which in the pulp and paper industry now, they really burn it for energy. Um, and seeing how best we can then extract value from that. So 2018, 2019, in the kitchen, trying to figure out the best way to really do this using green chemistry. Um, and then from there, obviously, um, we progressed into using a lab in 2019. So in 2019, I started working at the lab at VETS, mainly focused on various methods for lignin extraction. Um, but in that journey, what I then sort of started realizing is that there's so much that can be done with biomass. I mean, I sort of started understanding a little bit about things like hemicellulose, and I'll talk a bit more about the products themselves, but started realizing that there's hemicelluloses and then figure out how can you then extract these. But obviously there's discoveries that come along with this. I mean, we made so many different discoveries in this process. I mean, one of which, which I really find interesting is like we were able to extract tartaric acid from this process, which is like being able to extract tartaric acid from lignocellulosic material hasn't been done before. I mean, it mostly comes from the wine industry or tamarind, you know, and it was really fascinating. So that idea that there's so much that can be done with this biomass, I mean, it's just sort of led to other things. And the biosurfactants or the soap actually came through an interesting path because we had created this, this sort of process that produces everything until this waste liquor. So it was like, oh, it's just a waste liquor. We'll just throw it away. But 
after playing around with it a little bit, we just actually realized that it's actually a bias affectant that we had created, which was also very interesting for us. Um, and that's how then we, we then tapped into the soap uh, uh, production. And the bioplastics emerged after um, getting into lignin because we were like, we have this material now, what do we do with this thing? And then we started playing with bioplastics and trying to make plastics using the lignin. Um, so that's sort of how it progressed um, because the idea here is to create like a biorefinery using this idea of total biomass valorization. So in simple terms, it just means that we literally trying to use every component of a plant to create high value or um, different types of material. So this idea of being able to do that is what sort of led to the other products being made. Um, and to talk about the products themselves, um, so lignin is possibly the, the second most abundant organic polymer. I mean, it it's a very complex structure. I mean, in terms of it, it, it contains like these three main phenolic groups, which are so interesting in that for every different source, you have a different arrangement of these phenolic structures, which makes it so complex to understand. And for me, I found it really interesting that this material, I mean, if you take it from wood versus from agricultural waste, the structure is different, but also the type of wood you're taking it from. If you take it from pine versus eucalyptus, the structure is different. You know, it, it was so fascinating to me that this material is, is really complex, but when you really start looking into its sort of um, applications, I mean, it, it also became much more interesting. For, for, for me. So in terms of lignin, the main thing that started drawing me towards it is the ability to use it in, in, in sort of like creating, for me, the fascination was crude oil. I was so fascinated with crude oil in the beginning that I realized that with lignin, it could be the, the key to, to crude oil production, bio crude oil production. So it's one of the things that obviously I can't share much on that, but uh, we've been able to sort of create bio crude oil using lignin with a dual extraction of bio, uh, I mean, green hydrogen. I mean, I can't talk about how beautiful lignin is, but um, one, <laughs> I mean, it's really a beautiful. You're talking about lignin, like I'm, like I used to talk about chitosan, so I'm totally on the board with you. <laughs> it sounds like such an amazing product, so versatile and just you know, fascinating how many fundamental applications it can contribute to. It's amazing. Yes, yes. I mean, true. But um, but because we realize also that most of the market doesn't understand what lignin is, what we then try to do is make it sort of a tangible thing and use it in normal, everyday uh, um, sort of application. So what we are doing now with lignin is using it as a natural UV filter. Um, so if you think about it, I mean, sunscreen mostly using zinc oxide or titanium oxide but now being able to use a natural uh, material like lignin. I mean, lignin, the powder form, we, we ran it through uh, UV absorbance. I mean, it blocks UVA, B, and C. Um, and completely, it completely blocks these, these rays, which for us, it was really fascinating to discover because it's now it's wow. like... I didn't, I didn't expect that yeah. to be part of its characteristics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it... It, one of the, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reason why we then thought, you know what, um, how do we then put this property into things like uh, sunscreens and like um, different, different resins, polymers. So that's when we then sort of started mm. trying to put them in sort of like everyday use. We've put that in shampoos, 
But also what's fascinating about lignin is that it contains these other active properties. So if we take lignin and use it in a, sun, in a sunscreen, it also forms, uh, it has also like antibacterial and antioxidant properties, oh, yeah. which, which is just amazing, you know. So this is one of the reasons why for me lignin was so fascinating because above and beyond it u- being used for uh, either biocoal production, crude oil production, green hydrogen, vanillin <laughs> you, you yes. could i mean also use it as animal feed uh use it as a, a part of a, a, a in surfactants in binders so for me i i just thought to myself i mean w- this is probably one of the most interesting uh, biomaterial organic polymers i've ever come across so i've been fascinated with this i mean since 2018 and what we are doing with it now is just mainly focusing on, like I said, incorporation in cosmetics. And I'll talk a bit about uh, the brand later on that we've developed, especially oh, yes, for this. Um, but it's just using it in, in cosmetics and skincare, but also in, in resins and polymers. Um, and that's what we are currently doing with the lignin at the moment. And some, peop- wow. some people are interested in purchasing it as well, mostly Sweden and, and in Germany. So we are also looking at exploring that. What's also interesting, actually, um, one company that we just recently talked to um, started using lignin as like a coating uh, for paper, which makes it like a hydrophobic layer on top. So, for example, oh, okay, yeah, instead of using like a, a ethyl, um, uh, the ethyl vinyl that people are currently using in the mm. market, or like using polyvinyl acetate, you are able to then use this lignin coating as a replacement for like food packaging. It's just amazing. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and it's also it's plant based, so it's like more natural and just you know safer. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah, general. True. Um, true. Wow. So you, so I just want to because you've mentioned all of these uses for lignin. How is lignin produced? Is this a very easy process to extract the the properties that you want from this lignin for the specific types of products, or what, what is the process? Is it a like you said, you've you've actually worked in the kitchen. You've mm-hmm. done household experiments, so it sounds quite, you know, easy to extract lignin. But um, just just so that those who do, who are not coming from a scientific background can understand a bit more um, about the production of lignin. Um, so it, it 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 I wouldn't say it's easy, but I mean, we sort of have made it look easy to <laughs> to extract it. So <laughs> so. Normally, um, in a normal paper mill, what they do is they, the, the most used one is the, something called the Kraft process, where they use sodium hydroxide and sodium sulfide to cook the lignin right. at really high temperatures. Um, what that does is sort of just cleave out the lignin from the cell wall, but also put the, the hemicelluloses in, in, in the black liquor as well. Because their focus mm-hmm. is, on the, in the, is on the cellulose, so they try to remove as much lignin uh, as possible from the cellulose fibers. So from that, you have something called black liquor. So this black liquor is sort of, has always been considered sort of waste. And in that, you have lignin that's dissolved in the black liquor. That dissolution process yes. happens as a result of those high alkaline conditions. I mean, they're working at north of 12, uh, pH of 12 in these sort of uh, pulping wow. reactors. So what we are doing is we sort of are simulating this pulping process with using less chemicals um, and relatively lower temperatures. And we sort of get the same thing. So we also get a black liquor and we have a stream of cellulose that comes out. Um, so from, right. 
So from that black liquor is where the lignin, the hemicellulosis resides, right? So what we are doing is essentially then uh, protonating the, the black liquor. I mean, if you think about a pH of about 12, it's, it has high hydroxides mm. in there. So what we then do is protonate that. So we develop the proprietary process that protonates that black liquor for the lignin extraction, but has a dual mm. way of then extracting tartaric acid from that process. Um, so. Just to put it simply, we take that very high uh, pH black liquor and reduce it down through protonation of, of those uh, um, OH ions. And that process on its own then extracts the lignin from the black liquor. So you then have this brown, brown powder material that sort of gets separated from the rest of the, 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 the liquor. Yeah. Yes. Is that usually a high yield, or how much do you usually get from one sample? Um, so the, the, the lignin yield is, is determined by a few things. Um, so most so different plants have different lignin compositions and they're different, different of course, amounts, yes. right? So, so then the, the pulping process, depending on the residence time, depending on the pH, and depending also on the reagents, because mm. there's different types of pulping, so there's solder pulping, there's the craft pulping. Um, so depending on the crafting, pro uh, I mean pulping process, you are then able to extract different amounts of lignin. So if you're running it for longer at a high pH using the craft process, for example, you are able to then get a relatively higher yield as opposed to running at lower temperatures uh, and just using right. sodium hydroxide, for example. Um, mm. And in the extraction process, there's also the, the, the precipitation of the lignin. There's also different variables that lead to the differences in the yield. Uh, but at the moment, we are getting about 20% yield from the original biomass of lignin. Um, but in the black liquor, we do about a 90% 90, 90 uh, extraction process. So the yield out of the black liquor is, is extremely high for us. Okay. Yeah. Well, wow, that's great. So um, you've, well, we've mentioned bioplastics, and it's quite a popular word right now. Um, there is incredible growth in research surrounding bioplastics. Uh, like, I don't know if you know, but in Colombia and Mexico, they're using avocado pit waste to actually make uh, bioplastic plates and cutlery. And another company has actually utilized pineapple stalk waste to make plates that they can really plant back into the ground and it will actually grow a plant again. Yeah. So I was just wondering, um, what is the concept around bioplastics uh, do, some people don't really understand what bioplastics really is yeah. and the marketing industry kind of sometimes misconstrue the information surrounding bioplastics and give us a false in information and you know idea of what it really is yeah. so if you would if you can just explain to us a bit more about the actual benefic benef benefits about having bioplastics in our environment and the recyclable and reusability of um, bioplastics that would be great. Okay, no, no, no thank you for that, for that question. Um, so I, I think firstly, we sort of need to understand what bioplastics sort of are. Um, and it, it, it sort of, so, so to make plastic, firstly, you need carbon to, to do that. Um, and this has historically come from fossil fuels. I mean, be it mm. from coal through the, the gasification and the fissure troll process or through crude oil and ethylene uh, um, extraction. So fundamentally, you just need, you need carbon to make plastic. Uh, now, what 
happens then is if you need to make bioplastics, which means now you need a, a source that is biologically derived. But also it's very tricky with this because it causes a lot of confusion because if you think about it, crude oil technically is biologically derived. So it, it causes so many <laughs> tricky trickiness in that <laughs> yes, regard. Yes, that's know? where the confusion gets in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but but I, the way it's coined now is just uh, bioplastics are plastics that are from a, a biological uh, a source, oftentimes, that are biodegradable um, at times. But what's also causing more confusion is that you are, have two types of bioplastics. You have that, the ones that are biodegradable, then you have ones that are not biodegradable, um, which means that they, they do not, I mean, the ones that do not biodegrade just don't, you know, degrade under yeah. enzymatic conditions and that sort of stuff. But yes. now um, you also have petroleum-based biodegradable bioplastics, which just oh. which means that then they are biodegradable. So, for example, there's something called uh, um, polyvinyl alcohol. It's it, it's a water-soluble mm -hmm. uh, biodegradable plastic, but it's derived from fossil fuels, um, which which if you think about it, it could be considered a good thing because it's biodegradable, but the source is um, mm. fossil fuels. Then you have bio-based uh, uh, bioplastics, and oftentimes these are, let's say, for example, made from starch, um, and they are made from sort of like biomass and bio-based sort of uh, uh, origin. So that sort of just gives a picture in terms of like bioplastics. So you have different types. You have non-biodegradable and biodegradable, then you have bio-based and fossil-based. So all of this is just sort of like a, it causes a lot of confusion in the market. And that's why, like you said... It's a lot of categorization. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and, I mean, and like you said, what happens a lot in this bioplastics industry is something called greenwashing. So what typically people do is they would sort of say that something is biodegradable when in effect it technically isn't. But because you just see biodegradable, mm -hmm. You just think, oh, this is a great plastic. So, yeah, that's where the the misconstruing of this idea comes from, especially from an industry perspective. Nice. But um, in terms of bioplastics, the, I I mean, they are, if done well and done properly, could be the saving grace to the plastic problem. But I I believe that at the moment, the way things are done, it it doesn't allow for that system to work because this has to be a whole ecosystem. I think. So, for, for example, if yes. you have bioplastics that are being produced in, let's say, Africa or wherever, you need to also have a, a, a sort of a loop that these plastics will travel through, these bioplastics will travel mm -hmm. through, because if you do not have facilities that will take these, especially post-use, if you don't have at source separation put in place, then you have them getting mixed with uh, your PETs and your high-density polyethylenes, which becomes a bit of a problem as well. You know? So I, I believe that bioplastics could be beneficial to the environment if certain things are done, if we are able to fully put systems in place for at-source separation, but also have uh, composting facilities that will be able to channel all of that into those sort of facilities. Uh, that's how they can be beneficial. But at the moment, as it is, you have problems around greenwashing. People are making products using... Um, fossil-based plastics and calling them bio-based or calling them biodegradable when they're actually not biodegradable. You have people mm. producing bioplastics but not having uh, a pathway in which these will travel post-use, which then ends up getting mixed with 
your other plastics which leads them to technically then being not being recycled or biodegraded but also you have the plastics industry that is putting a lot of money in causing the confusion in the bioplastics industry so you yes. you find that yeah. the plastics industry is actually the ones pushing propaganda to confuse the people around this sort of marketing <laughs> which is yeah. which is so interesting yeah Now, that's a wonderful answer, and it, and it really shines some light on many aspects of what you just said about bioplastics. Thank you so much <laughs> for that clarification. Um, yeah, so uh, your company actually focuses, you know, clearly, you are very orientated to sustainability, um, which I find absolutely fantastic. And you have a very clear view of what you want uh, for the future of your company. And you also plan your materials and your experiments and everything around that. So, so from where you source your materials to how you produce your products, how do you um, actually bring the sustainable environment into your company? How do you propagate that and keep that going? And what are the challenges that you face during a day-to-day -day process working at your company? Um, and how do you overcome that? Um, no, thank you very much for that question. Um, it, so, I mean, for, for, for us, what we are actually doing is trying to reimagine sustainability. Oftentimes when people think about sustainability, they either think about recycling or reducing the CO2 emissions. I mean, we, we look at it a bit differently. So even from the source of the biomass, we do not cut any trees. So we use waste plant materials. So we use like your sawdust, agricultural waste. That's wonderful. Um, so so even from there that's what we ensure that we are not part of like deforestation so that that is a very important part for us the processing i mean the process itself is so beautiful i mean we've created this total biomass valorization process that not only is sort of zero waste but the whole the whole process is so integrated in such a way that we have even like a, a very reduced emissions in our process but also the emissions themselves i mean the, if you think about co2 i mean it always circles back because of the sort of biomass that we use so the process itself i mean from the beginning we are able to rip apart the whole plant get the the cellulose so the cellulose we use it for uh, glucose and uh, nanocellulose production we then take the lignin and put it through a different uh, process that allows us to be able to use it for UV filters and that sort of thing. Um, and we then take the hemicelluloses, which are just wood sugars that we then use to make fufarol, HMF, um, and acetic acid. But at the end, we have this biosurfactant. So the whole process in itself, I mean, it produces only products and zero waste, literally. We have different recycling streams that in, ensure that the recycling of the, the water, we, we try to ensure that water is recycled within the process. Um, and the energy consumption in the process also. We are working to try and find best ways to integrate the heat within the process so that we are able to reduce the consumption. Um, at the moment yeah. also, we are we, because we've created something called the BioCoal, which has about 30 megajoules per kg heat capacity, which is crazy. We are then now looking at using that BioCoal in the process for energy generation so that we have an internal energy generation system. Um, and I mean, Like I said, the process itself is zero waste. We're producing 
natural yeah, yeah. products um, and also we're looking at internal energy generation i mean as far as sustainability goes i mean you can't get more sustainable than that you know? no that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> no that's really good i'm um, really impressed by it and and yeah and some of the challenges we face honestly is is especially with scale scaling up so if you're doing something on a lab scale um it it oftentimes works really nice, it's perfect, it's good, but if you increase that factor by at least, let's say, 50 liters, if you go from like 5 liters to 50 liters, the dynamics change a little bit. Um, and, because, oh, yes. and because now the journey that we are on is sort of trying to build the biorefinery step by step, the challenges are mostly around the upscaling process. We come across so many different challenges, especially around the material processing, Something as simple as mixing becomes a different thing when you start, you know, upscaling. True. <laughs> so what? Yeah. Yeah. So what we've started, I mean, so what we are doing is sort of trying to not grow quickly, um, because at the moment, I mean, we we could be we produce about five to ten kgs of lignin, but if we wanted, we could go to five hundred kgs just easily. But we we're trying to take it slowly because we we understand these scalability problems and for us that's been the biggest challenge um, but also getting this is a bit more getting in our context in South Africa getting people to understand the product that we make because firstly most of the products I mentioned are either still in R&D of these big companies or are done in the EU mostly so getting people to understand what it is that we're doing is so complex because it makes it that's true it makes it difficult not only to um, share the vision but also to be able to share the products with either other companies to try and mm. test about because most of these things are not very well known and I think from a sustainability yes. standpoint it, it also is a challenge because you want the companies to move to use natural UV filters they don't know what thing you are bringing to them it's all it's a whole thing mm. that happens there around awareness but i mean we're slowly getting there um and we are trying to work with like the government institutions now to position ourselves in such a way that we become thought leaders in this space um and we become the sort of go-to people when it comes to environmental sustainability and this biorefinery concept so that's how we're trying to get yeah. over that yeah yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, awareness is key, I think, because people, um, sometimes when you're used to doing something for so long, mm. it feels like terrible effort to change. But if you're changing and you're using a product that is, can be, has like multiple uses and no waste and it's cheaper, it's plant-based, it's safer, there's so many advantages that come around with that change, you know? So yeah. it's, it's sometimes just that little budge, that little nudge that someone needs just because you're scared of something that you don't know about or you don't mm. understand. So just that awareness will definitely start bringing in that change for sure. Yeah, um, that's true. That's so you've true. just mentioned, you've mentioned now that you uh, actually work with other, other companies and that you, you provide a consultation service, correct? Yes. yes. So how, uh, which type of clients do you approach or which clients approach you and how do you, um, how can they actually, you know, get connected with you and uh, you know start receiving consultation from your company um, so so with the consultations I mean what we realize is that uh, because we're dealing with things that are not really familiar products that are not familiar in the market we needed to find a way in which people can use them more and we thought there's two ways in which we're going about this consultation uh, wherein we help people incorporate our products into their products I mean that's 
that's mainly what the consultations are all about. But then we've also then sort of taken another stream where we are incorporating, making different products with our products, for example, cosmetic products, so that we can then show the market that this is how this is used. Uh, but to go back to consultation, what we do essentially is, for example, um, if you are in, if you are a hair care company and you are interested in becoming more natural or more sustainable, we would then sort of help reformulate what you have. So if you have, let's say, a shampoo, um, we would then help you reformulate the shampoo, either using our lignin or the biosurfactant that we have, and including that to replace, let's say, if you're using SLES in your process, in your formulation, then we'll help you then remove that and add our biosurfactant. I see. So, yeah, I mean, we actually recently were working... We are working with like a, a kids salon and they are they are making shampoo oh. and a hair detangler and they're making hair butters and conditioners so what we are doing is then taking the lignin and incorporating it in those products so that we can add some of these uh, properties that i talked about earlier so this is sort of how we do wow. it um, and in like the resins industry we, we are looking at partners um, recently spoke to a few that are interested in the uv uh, filtration properties of lignin and now we just work with them to say this is how it works this is how you can incorporate it in your product so we can sort of come up with this co-creation process that allows us to use the lignin in their product but also for them to have a better sustainability approach to their product so that's sort of how we we sort of use this uh, how we do the consultations yeah that's wonderful um and in just my final question is, uh, well, you are actually launching another product or another type of, um, it's a skincare range, a plant-based skincare range. I think the company's name, I might be butchering it as well, it's uh, called Ophil, right? Yes, yes. yes. So you are, um, can you tell me a bit more about these uh, products that you are bringing in? And um, I, I have seen some of it now, and it's, it seems to be free of any harsh, unnatural chemicals. It's much more plant-based, um, orientated. Um, yeah, please tell me a bit more about that. And when is that going to be available? Um, yes, so, so O-Feel, I mean, O-Feel, it, it's the O is from organic, and the feel is from the chlorophyll. Um, so this is, this is the brand that we created because um, we wanted to tap into the skincare and cosmetics market, but looking at more 100% natural products. Um, so what we are doing with that brand, sort of, it's sort of then taking the biosurfactant um, and using that to create different products. So what we are doing at the moment is we have created a, a pan wash. Um, we've created um, even a, a sanitizer. We've created micellar water we've created um a makeup brush cleanser which i mean this market also is very interesting because i mean i don't use makeup so <laughs> when i <laughs> when i discovered that there's a huge problem with like washing your makeup brushes because i mean if you think about it if you leave the brushes oh, for long the bacteria the clog up of the makeup i didn't yes. know it was a big problem so we then created a makeup brush cleanser that strips off all of the the, the oils from the brush and uh, conditions the brush and leaves a beautiful scent as well on the brush. But in a oh, nutshell, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's actually really interesting. In a nutshell, Ophil is a brand that uses the, the biosurfactant we create, um, but also some of the lignin. So with the lignin, for example, we'll be making a natural 100% uh, uh, biodegradable makeup um, foundation, like these powder foundation. We'll be using that 
to, to the lignin to make that, um, just some of the products we do. But here is just looking at skincare and cosmetics and trying to really change the face of cosmetics using 100% natural, very sensitive uh, products to be able to create this. Um, and our website is live um, for Allfield. Um, and what we are doing now is preparing for the launch. So this launch should be next month in Feb, um, where we'll be launching our, our makeup brush cleanser and our hand wash. Mm. Um, and then we'll slowly be ro rolling out different products like the micellar water, the makeup foundations and different products using that. But we just... Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it's really nice. Yeah. There isn't a lot of makeup um, products available that are completely clean. So that's going to be very exciting to see. And I've actually checked out your website and the prices look very reasonable. I'll, I'll link the website in the show notes as well for people to check out. Yeah. But yes, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> no, th thanks. Yeah, I mean, we what we realized also when we were doing the, the market analysis is that the currently available natural products, they're really expensive. And if you try to get people to be more sustainable, I mean, you need to make the products accessible. If you're now pricing them too mm. high, you're just making them inaccessible to a lot of people. And it, That's true. You know, it becomes difficult to drive the change towards um, being more eco-friendly and, and environmentally exactly. conscious, you know. So we then sort of try to reduce the unit cost of these products so much that we are able to price it just below the market pricing. Yes, and that's excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I will definitely link all of the, the links for the company and for the website in the show notes for people to check out. So please make sure you do. I think the people have listened and learned a lot from you today. No, thank you very much, Alicia, for having me. Um, and I truly appreciate, appreciate the time you've given us to share about the, the company.